Well, good morning, friends. Welcome to worship here at University Heights, United Methodist Church. It's great to be uh, with you on this uh, beautiful May Sunday. Hope you've been well. Hope, uh, hope God has blessed you in, in unique ways this week. Uh, any extreme joys to share? You can just shout them out. Anything, anybody just celebrating unusually today? Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's, it's always great to celebrate our friends being in church with us, you know? Excellent. Good. Uh, thank you to those volunteers that helped with our Kids Sensational Saturday yesterday. We can continue to pray for that ministry and uh, that it will touch the lives of the children that need to be here and that the volunteers feel enriched by doing that service. So thank you to those. This weekend is community lunch, yes? So thanks for that group that's preparing for that meal as always. And any of you are invited to come out and share in the hospitality of that time. We continue to support the Bibs ministry through our loose change offering. And just as a reminder, our offering is collected by, back by the doors, not passed during the, uh, during the service. So we'll make sure to have a plate available throughout the service back there to support those ministries. We're also continuing to collect undies throughout this month, and uh, so thank you for bringing some of those in as well. June, we'll be uh, celebrating a few of our graduates, high school and college. I think that's the second Sunday of June. So if you have a, uh, a graduate within your family uh, that you would like to highlight in some way, uh, contact the church office. We'd love to have a picture and maybe a little information about uh, about that graduate's future. So looking forward to that as well. Uh, not too many other announcements for you today. Let's spend a little bit of extra time greeting those around us, sharing a little bit of the joy that we have to share this morning. Well, friends, Jesus just keeps coming around. Here after Easter, he keeps showing up in a variety of ways to challenge and inspire his disciples. So today, we'll catch him out on the shore at the beach, uh, giving some fishing instructions. So looking forward to reflecting on that story this morning. Let us pray as we prepare ourselves for worship today. A loving God, 
Thank you for preparing this space for us today, your spirit moving in our midst to bring us calm if we are anxious, to bring us rest if we are weary, to bring renewal if we are off track, to bring joy if we have been burdened with sadness or grief. Uh, thank you for the gift of community. Uh, thank you for the gift of song. Thank you for the gift of invitation to move from where we are into where you're calling us to be, to reorient our lives now that we have experienced the risen Christ. I pray for each of the folks here today, Lord, that you would move in their lives in such a way that they leave feeling very much affirmed and loved by you. In Jesus' name we pray today. Amen. as you are able. The choral scholars will lead us in the, um, the refrain, which is a sung refrain.
children of God, do you love the God who hovers over the face of the deep and called the world into being? Yes, you know that we do. Then feed God's children. Children of God, do you love the God who was revealed in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Yes, you know that we do. Then take care of God's children. Children of God, do you love the God who breathes new life into us even as we gather this day? Yes, you know that we do. Then feed God's children. now we will join together in the opening prayer. God of victory over death, your son revealed himself again and again and convinced his followers of his glorious resurrection. Reveal to us his risen presence 
empower us in love to obediently feed your sheep and care for the lambs of your flock until we join the host of heaven in worshiping you. For you, Lord of love, are worthy of blessing and honor, glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Our affirmation of faith is the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Old Testament lesson is taken from the book of Genesis, chapter 12, verses 1 to 7. Now let us listen as God calls Abram. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took his wife Sarai and his brother's son Lot and all the possessions that they had gathered, and the persons whom they had acquired in Haran. And they set forth to go to the land of Canaan. When they had come to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place of the Shechem, to the oak of Morah. And that, at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And you have heard the word of the Lord.
Several of the disciples had gathered near the Sea of Galilee, including Simon Peter, John the son of Zebedee, and Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee. That was pretty good, John, but I think I can beat it. Okay, then, have to go. But Nathaniel will direct When did you do that? Now I got five skips. Seriously? I didn't see that. When was that happening? A few minutes ago when you were over there checking those nets. All right, cool. Well, I know I can get five skips, no problem. Oh, that was horrible. Let me get another shot. Sue yourself, but you're not going to beat it. Yeah, I am. Oh, just four? Man, it seems like nothing is working since Jesus died, you know? So they went out in the boat back to that fishing gig, but they got nothing at night. 
And at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, hey, you over there, have you caught any fish? John, there's some guy yelling at us over there at the beach. Do you see who that is? Um, I'm not sure who it is, uh, but he seems to be asking about our catch. It's not too much to tell him, then. I know, it's, it's been pathetic. I mean, I used to know how fish eats water. We'd be on the beach grilling up some fish by now, but not today, not like the old days. Yeah, well, this isn't the old days. Things have changed. Tonight, we caught nothing. Hey, well, what's that guy shouting at us again? <laughs> He's asking if we got anything. The gall of this guy. It's like rubbing salt in our wounds. No, we haven't. It's time to the good night. So they cast their net, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes and jumped into the lake. Hmm. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. Jesus instructed them to fire up the barbie for breakfast. It was time to talk about leaving fishing for tilapia behind for good. And now as we move on, we will hear the story one more time. Actually, we will hear the rest of the story. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal, charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard, went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them, and though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. 
Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breaking, finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my fish. <laughs> Sorry, tend my sheep. He said to him in the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten the belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death which would, be, which would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. And now the children may come for the children's message. Good memory. Well, the box is a little of nothing. I wanted to play a game today, and it's a game I just made up. So I'm going to have to explain the rules. All right? It's called Stand or Sit to Score. All right? So you have a really tough decision. You have to decide if you're going to stand or sit. And based on how I roll the dice, you will score. Okay? So for this first roll, if I roll a four through a six, the people standing will win. If I roll a one through a three, the sitting people will win. All right? So do you want to stand or sit for this first round? You're going to stand? We got one standard. So you're four or six. The three of you are one to three. Miss, okay, two on two. And the roll is a five. So the standers win this round. Tough break, sitters. All right. Round two, all right, this time, if I get two, three, four, five, or six, the standers win. If I get a one, the sitters win, all right? So two through six, standers, one, sitters. Still sitting, okay, all right, and you, Miss Maryland? Still sitting, all right, comfortable back there. All right, let's see, one in six chance. We'll swift it around. What is it? Oh my gosh, it's a one. All right. Nice. There's wisdom down here. All right, one. This is the final round. All points are tripled, okay? All points are tripled. All right. And this round, if I roll a one, a two, a three, a four, a five, or a six, and you're standing, you score. All right? 
one through six, you are going to score if you are standing. All right, cool. And Miss Mary Lynn, no. you're going to sit. That chair is very comfortable. Okay, one through six. You feeling pretty good about your odds? You don't know. I'm feeling pretty good about them. <laughs> and it is, and it doesn't matter what it is. It's a three, and so the standards win. Good job. Excellent. What did we learn from this game? Miss Mary Lynn's not willing to stand up, I think. She's not willing to change from where she's been seated. Yes. She's, yes, she's very comfortable where she is. Even when there was a promise of something good, it's, it's hard to change when you're situated, isn't it? Have you ever found it hard to change doing something? I was thinking of an example. Let's say, I don't know, you could be playing video games or reading a book. Take your pick, whatever you enjoy doing. And your mother says, hey, can you stop doing that for a second and help me take out the garbage? Are you really quick to want to change what you're doing? Not me. Mm -mm. I might say, in a little bit, I'll think about it, maybe tomorrow, something like that, because we don't want to change, right? Our story today found a man named Peter, and he was a fisherman, and he did that for a living for his job, and then he followed Jesus for a while, but then Jesus died, and Jesus rose from the dead, and Peter was confused with what to do next, so he just went back to fishing until the story Miss Marilyn just read about how Jesus said it's time to change. Do you love me? Then I need you to go out and feed my people, take care of them. Three times he asked Peter, are you willing to change? And Peter said, yeah, I'll change three times. But it's hard, right? So today we're thinking about when it's hard to change from what we like to do what God wants us to do. And we pray God gives us the strength to stand up when we need to and not stay in our seat. <laughs> Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for your calling on our life, for examples like Peter, who was not perfect and made mistakes, but God still invited him into a life of service and ministry and care. And uh, we're listening, Lord, for how you're speaking to us to help move us in the direction that you're calling us to be. Uh, be with these kids and give them joy and life and uh, your peace on their hearts. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Just to clarify, Miss Maryland did have a little bit of instruction to stay in her seat. <laughs> no no post-service gossip about why wouldn't she get up? Okay. <laughs> so Dan Snyder, man, he was he was frustrated. He had had enough. He was tired of some long work weeks. Not very good pay grumpy customers. He was the assistant general manager at McDonald's in Bradford, Pennsylvania. But in September 2021, he drafted a petition to his regional office saying that he and his workers have had enough. 
We're all leaving, the petition stated. And we hope you can find other employees who are willing to work for $9 and a quarter an hour. Nearly all of the day shift employees added their names to the petition. He faxed the petition to the regional office in Buffalo, and moments later, his phone was ringing. Why did you do that? He said, I was trying to get better pay for my staff. Well, there's better ways to do that, chided that supervisor. No one gets a raise. If your workers don't like it, they can quit. And so they did, nearly all of them from that McDonald's. On the spot, they took off their headsets and abandoned their stations at the drive-thru and the cash registers. The line at the drive-thru started to get longer. Customers watched as the employees just kind of filtered out to their cars. Dustin locked up the building and hung a sign on the door with, written by a blue highlighter that said, due to lack of pay, we quit. Hey, a man called from his car. We just want a quarter pounder and some fries. And Dustin yelled back, hey, we just want to be paid better and treated better. When Dustin told Stephanie, the store's general manager, she wasn't even upset. She was sympathetic. More than that, she decided to join them. She messaged all of the night staff employees, told them what the day shift had done, and that she too was quitting, and most of the night shift did the same. Dustin and Stephanie spent the next few jobs helping those workers find better opportunities, in some cases driving them to other restaurants with vacancies. As for the Bradford McDonald's, it wasn't long before the store was up and running. The franchise owner bust in workers from New York who were being paid $15 an hour. And then he ended up hiring some people from Pennsylvania at $10 an hour. Those new employees getting the raise the former employees had been asking for. You know, in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic, there have been workers across America, professionals and shift workers, rethinking what they do. In some cases, they've decided to walk away from it. In fact, an unprecedented 47 million Americans voluntarily quit their jobs in 2021. It's what economists have been calling the great resignation. You know, quitting is typically a concept associated with lazy people, losers, but this level of quitting is really an expression of optimism that says, I believe I can do better. When have you ever chosen to leave behind part of your life? I remember a year ago, in order to run cross country, my son had to sacrifice participating in the marching band. It was his choice and his loss. It was a difficult decision. Whenever our family accepts a new calling to a new congregation, we make the choice to say goodbye to important relationships. Many professionals, many parents, I would say, routinely give up professional opportunities, leisure opportunities, a breath, <laughs> so they can support the dreams of their children. Those are choices. They believe maybe there's something better. It's not a surprise that major choices contribute to loss. 
So if we know we're going to lose something, why do we sacrifice? For example, why would someone sacrifice a job that is secure for them? You might say, well, it's easy to say all those stimulus checks incentivize people to just sit on their couch and, and watch and stream TV all day. But according to iHire, these are some of the reasons why employees are leaving their jobs. They're not being compensated well. They're being stressed with unmanageable workload. They don't have opportunity to grow where they are. They don't feel like their values line up with their work. There's a poor balance between their job and their life. There's a lack of recognition from their supervisors. And there's a lack of flexibility. So to me, this sounds like what people are longing for in their work, and I suspect in their life is space where they can be authentic to what they believe, they have room to grow, they feel valued, and they experience fulfillment or reward. And it feels to me like Peter was looking for the same things. His story today was of a job resignation, actually for the second time, the first time around, according to Luke's Gospel, occurred after another instance of some unsuccessful fishing, Jesus invited Peter, who was then called Simon, to take the boat out one last time, try the net on the other side. It came back bursting with fish, and Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid, from now on you'll be catching people. And Simon, along with his partners, James and John, rode to shore and immediately began following Jesus. In today's scene, it's a very similar situation, except the disciples have three years of experience under their belts. They've witnessed Calvary, mm, the brutality. They've been scared to death, and they've been thrilled to life. They've already met Jesus resurrected. And despite all of this rich spiritual experience, they've returned back to the boat gone right back to where they left off. And I suppose the reason Peter climbed back into his boat are some of the same reasons that young adults, after living on their own for a while, move in with their parents, or why some young women may move and reconnect with boyfriends that have been cruel to them in the past, or even why some people who have been incarcerated return to the same crowd that was a negative influence on them before. There's this sense of familiarity, this allure of immediate happiness, success, a sense that this connection will overcome loneliness and fear. So here's Peter. I mean, he needs to get some money. He needs to get his mind cleared from the confusion of Jesus calling him the rock of the church, and yet it seems like this Jesus movement is ending. He needs to feel connected to his buddies. He needs to feel rooted, and he's hoping he'll find that in his boat. And then Jesus calls out, children, you don't have any fish, do you? Peter Gomer now deceased, previously uh, a law professor, said this is a good lawyer's question. He says, a good lawyer never asks a question he doesn't already know the answer to. 
And Jesus knows the answer. He knows they don't have any fish at all. They've had a miserable, heart-rending night. He just wants to hear them say it. A return to the past has not provided the joy they were looking for. It hasn't answered that quest for value, for purpose, for growth, for peace. When we hear the guy's nets are empty, it's not just fish we're talking about. Have you ever felt caught in that type of situation that is just not fulfilling? Maybe it's even right now just stuck. There's anxiety or there's fatigue. There's a lack of acknowledgement by others. A lack of growth in your life. Maybe it's a way you've been volunteering lately. Maybe it's a relationship, a friendship. Maybe it's a long-held family tradition that you do. Maybe it's just how you try to think about how do I utilize God's Spirit in my life on an ordinary day. As Jesus says to those disciples, it's time for a change. Put your nets on the other side, a.k.a. rearrange, rearrange your life. Boldly explain yourself from the past that's not allowing you to thrive as what God has made you to be. Now I understand humanity rehearses again and again. We, we don't like change. I would assume some of you in this room today are thinking the very last thing I want to do is change because everything else is changing around me. The changes in technology or the changes in the health of loved ones or the changes in what your own body is able to do at this point? A good day is when nothing changes. Does that sound like you? Change from the outside, right? Emergency, trauma, scary, grueling, and in those cases our prayers are rooted in God as our support and our comfort. Peter's change the change Jesus is calling us to is born from within. It is given in freedom because we are God's children. A choice to move ever so slightly more aligned with Jesus. Do we have the audacity to say yes to that invitation of change? It's a sign of courage. It's a sign of trust that we believe Jesus does see something that we can't see that he sees potential that is otherwise obscured from us. The thing is, though, we can't have our nets on both sides of the boat. We have to lift them out and give them control into his hands. Karen Chahayakin, theological writer, says, says having Christ in your heart is like having a new person move into your house. If they're just visiting, right, that's fairly easy. You simply offer them hospitality, try to practice good manners. That's the kind of thing. But if someone moves in to stay, well, then things are changing, right? Your patterns, your routines, how you accommodate one another, how you stay out of each other's way. Eventually they make their mark on you and you make your mark on them. How you talk changes. 
how your relationships align changes, how your responsibilities are lived out, they shift. So when Jesus moves into our life and we say, yeah, I would like to change and walk with you, it's not just merely rearranging some furniture. Peter got the opportunity to show that he was willing to make a move three times. His allegiance, his vocation, and following that delicious breakfast, Jesus turns and asks him three times, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Take your pick at what these are. Do you love me more than your friends who are eating here with us? Do you love me more than these nets that you use to fish with? Do you love me more than your boat? A thing of work, a thing of leisure? I'm not sure what the these is. I do know Peter stays in fellowship with his friends and builds the church with them, but he leaves the nets behind. He commits three times to Christ's serving ministry, acknowledging that if he loves Jesus, then he's going to have to stake his life on what Jesus loves, healing, encouraging, restoring wounded, lost people. He can't get the job done floating around in the boat. And so he walks away from it, sails and oars and a full net. Guys, remember that net had 153 fish in it. That's some, some cash, some security, familiarity, routine. And he left it. Is he a superhero or something? No, Peter's not perfect. And he even admits it as such. You spend a little time listening to the story in its original Greek. Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me with agape, self-giving, sacrificial love? Peter says, you know that I love you, brotherly love, philia. I love you like a brother. Not quite to the love that you have yet, Jesus, but I'm willing to work on it and trust you because I know if I'm stick with you, something wondrous will happen. For the first time in his life, he's received a call that is so compelling, he's willing to leave the fish behind. He's found this place he can be true to himself, where he believes. He knows he'll make a difference. He knows he'll be cared for along the way. He knows there will be reward in his life. Is there any part of you today that needs to issue a resignation letter? We know that walking away from something hurts. It means some loss. But it also means freedom. We know in Christ, we can do better. He can do better. It starts by handing him the nets. Thanks be to God. Amen. prayer. We'll sing together from hymn 172. My Jesus, I love thee. May these words be not only those of the original disciples of Peter, but rooted in our heart as well.
Gracious God, you have been so good to us in so many ways, providing for us in the form of our family, friends that are dear to us, opportunity in life, food and shelter, the place of our church, the freedom to worship you. We rejoice in all your good gifts, how you meet us in every situation and are faithful to our care. And yet we hear you today, Lord, calling from afar or maybe call, calling quite near, rejoicing over the beauty that we are, and yet also inviting us to step forward. You see in us wondrous opportunity that perhaps we don't see in ourselves. And you speak it into us and invite us to be bold, to be courageous, to see what you see, to love God with all our heart and to love others in the transforming of the world. Make us to heed your call, Lord. Whatever stage of life we're in, help us to see the change that you are still inviting us to make. For the sake that you are glorified, people are healed and brought joy. Thank you for the witnesses like Peter who have been willing to step from the boat, feed your people. May we, may we find the courage to walk with these. Lord, sometimes what holds us back is, is fear, is worry, is hurt. Maybe not for ourselves, but for others. And so, Lord, for us to freely follow you, we need to unburden our heart from these, from these pains. So we want to trust you with the care of those that we're worried about. So we pray, Lord God, receive, receive Joanne Hannon and bring healing to her body. Uh, receive uh, Jan Thomas. We're worried about her, Lord God, provide uh, assurance and strength to her, some miracle healing to her. Lord, we're praying for Kurt Barclay and his family after they grieve and celebrate the life of Kurt's mother to release them from the, the pain that they have experienced in their mourning. We pray with Tracy Garbrandt and Ray and their extended family at the death of Phyllis Austin. And as we anticipate celebrating her life on Tuesday, we pray for your comfort and the news of resurrection to fill ours and everyone's ears and hearts. Lord, we pray for those victims in Buffalo, victims of racially motivated shooting in a supermarket. How horrendous the families that are grieving them. We pray, Lord God, that you would bring, oh, bring peace and, and change into people's lives. Help us to see hope that we might serve you more fully. You know these concerns, Lord. You know others that weigh heavy on our hearts. And we give them to you just as we give ourselves. You ask, do we love you? And we do, Lord. We do love you with our prayers. We love you with our worship. We love you with our service.
So empower us through your Holy Spirit to be faithful to this confessed love, that we might be light bearers in your name. Guide us now as we pray together in confidence in our need for you, the words that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us continue to reflect on what God is saying to us now in this time of offering.
God, please use these offerings that we provide and our able bodies to feed your sheep the necessities of life, but most importantly, the gospel message. Amen. And our closing hymn is Forth in Thy Name, O Lord. our singers and Carissa for leading us through our worship today. I have one additional prayer request that, that our congregation can be part of, and that would be for the University of Indianapolis, who this week I heard will be searching for a new president of the school. And so in that time of transition, we pray for uh, discernment for that, uh, that institution that means so much to many of you and to us. And as we continue to learn what that might mean for our relationship with the school and the new vision that that new president might have uh, for our congregation as we continue to work together, uh, Jesus is calling us forth. Uh, throw your nets on the other side so we're always open to what that might mean for us. But go forth knowing that he gives us the strength to follow and he will fill us with joy when we do. This is true. In Christ's name, have a blessed day, everyone. Amen.